Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. I know I do. But I think it's equally as important to know what you'd do with that time if you had it. But learning how to prioritize what's important to me didn't come naturally. It's taken a lot of wonderful, loving people, including a couple of really great therapists, to get me there. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I do believe the world would be so much better if everyone had access to a good therapist that did the right thing for them. But until we get to my perfect utopia, I will never stop searching for ways to make self-help and therapy and life improvement more accessible. So if you have personally been thinking of starting therapy, maybe BetterHelp is the right thing for you. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And ideally, if you find the right match for you, we can all learn how to make time for what makes us really happy. Visit betterhelp.com slash makeyourbed today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash makeyourbed. All right, y'all, I'm going to be honest. I cannot stop thinking about Cozy, which is some of the most thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living that I've ever seen. And we have talked about Cozy's beautiful products before, but I really want to harp on the Cozy experience itself. Because not only is the delivery fast and free, but the purchasing process itself is actually fun. As someone who is notoriously bad at making decisions and commitments to things, the fact that Cozy allows me to fully customize pieces and then physically see them in my space through an augmented reality, well, they fully eliminated my fear of commitment. And when I say the furniture itself is so elegant, I mean it. Everything is carefully designed in Canada with the intention to enhance any space with high-quality products at a fair price. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com to start customizing your furniture today. That's C-O-Z-E-Y dot com. Good morning, good morning, sunshine. Welcome to another day of the Make Your Damn Bed podcast. Welcome back to the Michaela Loach book club that nobody asked for but me. I've been giving you some highlights from the book, It's Not That Radical, Climate Action to Transform Our World. And before I begin digging into today's quotes, I want to really commend this author for another minute because, like I mentioned a few days ago, I've been going through a pretty severe bout of depression. And when I'm sad, especially with the big sad, it tends to color how I interpret everything that I'm consuming. And I also have a very cute habit of doubling down on negative content because I'm in that mood and I'm usually not in the mood to watch things that make me sad. So I take all the stuff I've been putting off because it would make me more sad and I watch it and then I get big, big sad. Point is, I've been putting off reading this book because anything I read about climate change, even if it's optimistic and hopeful, typically only adds to my hopelessness and my fear because it is such a massive problem that's bigger than any one individual. So imagine my surprise when I picked up this book thinking it would double down into my climate hopelessness. And no joke, by the end of the front flap first paragraph, for the first time in weeks, I felt inspired and empowered and excited to do something. And as someone who really struggles to get out of depressive episodes, anytime I can attach myself to a lifeboat going toward shore, 
I try my best to get on board and ride that bitch as far as I can. So while I recognize talking about climate justice and the fucking pain it's caused in real time is really difficult, the anxiousness, the doom, the powerlessness, the heaviness is all very valid and fair and understandable. But reading this book has reminded me of several things. One being, it's a planned attack to prey upon our fear. So when we lean into that narrative, we're technically giving the bad guys exactly what they want. So two, we can spite these fucking billionaire dickheads. Excuse my French if you're one of the people who don't like my cursing, but it's that or supervillain. And I don't think supervillain does them justice every time. The point is, spite is a powerful motivator for me. And people like Michaela Loach are out here doing the work to create calls to action that don't feed on the despair, but feed on our power. And it comes from talking about it in an empowered way. It comes from not feeding into the narrative of fear. And I find I have a tendency to do that. I mean, the reason I'm doing this tangent right now is because I automatically think that it will ruin the morning vibes that I try to create here. But because of one butterfly effect moment six months ago when I looked up climate optimism and discovered Michaela Loach, I realized that's not the case. Y'all probably know I never shut up about nuance and the fact that many things can be true at once. And because of that, we can take a minute with our fear to respect it, and then we can alchemize that shit into righteous anger and organized action. So for chapter two and today's book club, we're getting into who's responsible so we can better understand these supervillains that are so afraid of us uniting against the things that are actively harming our environment and humanity alike. So the book says, the idea that a collective humanity is responsible for this crisis is simply false. When a hundred companies are responsible for 71% of industrial greenhouse gas emissions since 1988, and the richest 1% of the world produce more than double the emissions of the poorest half of the world. Yes, you heard me right. No need to skip back, I'll say it again. The richest 1% of the world produce more than double the emissions of the poorest half of the world. It is clear that we did not cause this. But the idea that we did and that we are personally responsible for rectifying it is internalized in so, so many of us. There were Nickelodeon commercials that made me feel like my friends and I would save the world by reducing, reusing, recycling, and picking up litter off the beach. But that hyper-individualism is detrimental to the message. The author warns it fractures and immobilizes our collective ability to tackle this crisis. The idea that climate crisis is this inevitable fact that it is our fault, leads to defeatism and into wasting our time blaming each other. Meanwhile, the true big polluters are getting away with it. We need to fight back. Less than 20% of the world's population is responsible for the consumption of 80% of natural resources. Perhaps, unsurprisingly, that 20% is comprised of the richest section of the world's population. This is truly just another example of modern-day colonialism. Loach goes on to say, up until 1882, 92% of global emissions in excess of the planet's capacity have been caused by the richest nation states of the global north, like the UK, Canada, US, Europe. Shit, the US alone is responsible for 40%. And I quote, countries in the global south, these same countries that are also overexploited for resources and experiencing the worst impacts of climate breakdown, are collectively only responsible for 8% of excess emissions that are driving these climate breakdowns. 
And this is a phenomenon called atmospheric colonialism, in which a small number of high-income countries have historically emitted far more than their fair share. She says, if you're reading this as someone in a global north country, thinking, fuck, it's all my fault, then hold this thought. It is far more complicated than that. It's not simply a global north versus global south issue, but rather a case of the actions of a privileged few and the subsequent impact of those actions on the majority of humanity. Skipping ahead a bit, I'll leave you with this. It is worth considering that the concept of the carbon footprint was first popularized by BP, a company which ranks sixth out of the 20 companies responsible for a third of all carbon emissions since 1965. If one of the biggest fossil fuel companies in the world is pushing for emissions to be individualized in some way, perhaps it's worth considering who this idea serves. And when I tell you that nothing in this world will surprise me, yet everything is shocking, this is exactly the type of shit I'm talking about. Point is, as Michaela finishes up the chapter, she does say that guilt can be a powerful motivator, but most of the time, it's just a distraction, and it is far more important to directly confront the producing class and the system itself, because not only is that going to be more effective, but it's also exactly what they're trying to fight against, because they're gonna lose some money, poor babies. Anyway, I about had it with these rich billionaires and finding out that they're behind everything, but I'm ready to tear it down and I'm excited to bring y'all along the journey, whether you like it or not. No, I'm just kidding. I obviously love feedback and I'll take that if you've got it for me too. You can always reach out at mydbpodcast on Instagram, TikTok, or at gmail.com. You can also give me feedback on this episode if you're listening on Spotify, because apparently they do a little Q&A moment and I love it. Been really enjoying y'all's takes on these episodes. Either way, I'll be back tomorrow with some more actionable shit. Uh, But in the meantime, take care of yourselves. I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'll talk to you tomorrow while you make your damn bed. Bye, cutie.